A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. visits classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the 1985 cult classic Reanimator. Based on an H.P. Lovecraft short story, Reanimator is a wild ride that gives us a battle between a mad scientist and a horny zombie. <laughs> With me as always is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Have we seen enough horny zombies? We've seen a lot of variations of zombies. Well, I feel like I've seen enough horny zombies. <laughs> <laughs> this movie kind of Scratches the itch. You don't. You don't feel like you need it anymore after this. <laughs> yeah, certainly. It, it's it's definitely uh, a solution to a problem we didn't know we had. <laughs> Steve, would you say that medical science has improved since 1985, or do you think it's gone slightly downhill? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, with um, the use of computers and uh, virtual imaging. Um, I think with certain, you know, medicines, obviously, I think we've we've come a long way. But in terms of just hubris, and I'm talking like <laughs> the the hubris to to not only play God but to maybe improve improve on God <laughs> is is lacking. Um, I just don't feel like I've ever been given the option to like come back to life if medical science in 1985 was able to bring me back to life even if i have to carry my head around you know right. even if it, yeah. it, it's i at least want the option it's not like i want something else to carry i'm just saying that give me the option to become a mindless zombie well and that's and that's well and i think there's more even more nuance to it than that right i mean like our options now are like in advance you can fill out like do not resuscitate well that's because our assumption is that if you resuscitate me, I'm, I might be in a vegetative state. Mm -hmm. I might, uh, you know, I might just be prolonging the inevitable. But if it's like, do not resuscitate unless I have the ability to maybe have like a lot of like strength of a silverback or <laughs> it's, it does. It's it will. It might take off your head. The, these reanimators, yeah. they might actually decapitate you, but you will have superhuman strength. Right, but let's just put let's just put this in perspective, right? Like to say, look, here's the thing: I can bring you back to life. You won't have maybe the same relationship with any of your loved ones. 
Um, in fact, you might not even recognize them. You might be unintelligible, <laughs> but you, your chances of being able to do a roundhouse kick go up like 70%. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, that's as easy as, for me as like getting that organ donor card on the license. <laughs> Let's sign me up. Because I don't know, maybe I would want to carry around my head if I had superhuman strength. Because, right. you know, the head wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel heavy at all. Right. I mean, that's, oh man, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I realize how much of my, like, you re- reach a certain age, and I mean, we're about the same age, uh, where I think I walk around, like, why am I so tired? I'm like, oh, I think I'm just tired of lugging this head around. <laughs> just, to, just the option to put it down somewhere. Yeah, just yeah, just set it down or like at least move it to a different part of the body because like my shoulders are doing all the work. And at one point in this film, like a fanny pack for my head. And I'm just going to assume that this is the way medical science worked in 1985. Um, but at one point in the film, <laughs> the guy's body was smarter than his head. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> the body knew where, what to do. The body was strategizing. The yeah, head was just kind of... <laughs> The head was just horned up, man. The head was just horny in a dish. Do you, do you have a uh, elevator pitch for this movie? Do you like the greatest movie ever? <laughs> now, okay, so before we get started, I want to make sure, I think we might, there's a possibility that we are not fully calibrated in this adventure. I found out last night that I watched the unrated version. Oh, interesting. Where did you where did you get your uh reanimator? Um mm. what was your source your source? Tubi. Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> I for, of all of the streaming options, that's the only one that I say in somewhat of a derogatory fashion. Um yeah, you go a little radio there, don't you? Tubi. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I got a free uh, trial of Shudder. Uh-huh. Now, one quick way to know if you've seen the R-rated version versus the unrated version uh-huh. is do you know how long your uh, viewing experience was? I don't recall. It was like, uh, it was a little more than 90 minutes. All right. So I was under. So the unrated is actually under 90 minutes. Is that right? Yeah, so the, the R-rated is 95, I think, 95 minutes, and the uh, unrated is 84, I believe. That's kind of fascinating. Interesting that they add more gore yeah. and boobs, but they get rid of some other plot. Because I think when they got rid of the stuff to make it R, it was they thought, like, this is way too short. Huh. So they added maybe some extra scenes and... and um, I think more what they called character development scenes. So you may have more fully fleshed out characters than uh, I do. Hmm, hmm. So you're going to be talking about motivations, and I'm going to be like, mm, yeah, but I think I saw pubes, and like that's going to be just a bit of a different uh, uh, viewing experience. Um, I did watch a few deleted scenes of this, uh-huh. uh, which were w- you know very enlightening, very enlightening. Uh, not not <laughs> gore. Really explain the religious allegories. <laughs> not a lot of gore in the in the deleted scenes. Mm. Um, but what, this was my first viewing. I, what's your relationship here? First time. Yeah. But this was my choice for a movie that I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it had, of course, it was also a movie that I hadn't seen. And, uh, y- you enjoyed the experience. It sounds like. Well, yeah, sure. Um, I, 
Well, let me let me see if I yeah, sure, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I'm I I enjoyed it in the sense that I probably am better uh, for having seen it. Mm, interesting. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how that is going to manifest itself. Uh, I will say that Heather did not enjoy the experience. Um, <laughs> well, really? In fact, she was reluctant uh, out the gate, but it was kind of like, oh, you know, for the sake of the podcast and knowing, kind of having a frame of reference, um, she thought she'd give it a shot. And it, and her her disdain was, I think, I don't know if, if there's if there's something quicker than immediate, but um, <laughs> like even the credits were bothering her. Like she's like. Take your time credits, and I and I don't think it's so much that that uh, the credits themselves are maybe any longer than any other film that we've seen, but um, it, <laughs> there was just something about them. I think that felt a little mm. uh, redundant. Well, here's what I appreciated about the film is that you know, at being a an academic, I don't often find authentic portrayals on the big screen. Or the little screen, or any screen for that matter. This is probably the most realistic deep depiction of how scholarship works. Uh, yeah, authentic uh, scholars, doctors, doing and saying things that authentic doctors and scholars do. Uh, motivations right on. Absolutely right on. <laughs> if ever you were curious about what we academics do at professional conferences... Mm-hmm. Animator, the animators give you a pretty realistic depiction of what goes on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, walk me through the. So the one guy lost his um, his uh, loan, and the other guy got expelled <laughs> because they because the guy said that he reanimated a cat. <laughs> Well, I think that more than anything, I mean, there was no like there was, and, and he just said it like in the office to the dean. Mm-hmm. And not like he, not like he held a rally. I think that the the bigger issue was he's having sex with the dean's daughter. I think that he got kicked out on moral grounds, right? Yeah, but 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 I don't think it got like that wasn't revealed in that, right? I mean. Uh, that would maybe what the virtue of my deleted scene. There was a big concern uh-huh. of that that if he's if he's shacking up with the dean's daughter, then maybe he's not morally fit to be a doctor. Um, gotcha. <laughs> right. that, that's the that's the big problem in this film. <laughs> I thought that maybe his biggest issue as a doctor was that he just doesn't have any sense of ur- even though he he's relentless, his sense of urgency in trying to revive a patient uh, by pushing on their chest is just a little lacking. And it was probably the least, uh, like, it was it just, he's like, oh, no, I want to keep doing this half-assed attempt at resurrecting this person. Oh, my goodness. How many wise-ass uh, uh, young uh, medical school patients were just breaking pencils in, in conferences? Just to- <laughs> Oh man, I was laughing hard at that. That was the most menacing pencil break I've ever seen. <laughs> and then he does a little magic trick to like illustrate that, like, hey, nothing's permanent, man. Exactly. <laughs> he menacingly, with a with a really mean mug, he decides he's gonna <laughs> break a pencil during the lecture. And this just really, really disconcerts the professor. The professor just doesn't can't go on after he sees this pencil break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, well, and I think I so I think you missed out maybe on some of the uh, the good gore in that particular sequence too. As I, I was trying to read the difference between the uh-huh. the two versions, and and I know when they pull the the guy's skin off his head so that he can cut into the into the skull, like they do a full like they pull it all the way like past like the head. You can see it like kind of fold over oh i, I, I saw this i i must have okay. seen the unedited or the unrated or whatever yeah, i don't know i mean yeah i'm not because exactly right sure after that he says it's like peeling an orange and then oh, they yeah, all yeah. laugh for sure yes yeah no i know that was they all laughed quite a bit at that one yeah i uh i don't i'm trying to think of like what what was the most distracting thing that's ever happened in the middle of one of my lectures <laughs> um certainly more than a pencil breaking for sure but this this guy he was he couldn't he couldn't keep together, and on top of that he you know he decides he's gonna fail the kid. Yeah, of all the ne'er do wells, I mean this this school has a pretty pretty high standards, right? I mean apparently, um, <laughs> you know, and so we're talking about like you know advances and you know uh, you know reanimation not being an option mm-hmm. or you know the way that that it was at least hoped for in in eighty five. Um, also, like the other day, I had some uh, some antibiotics and some amoxicillin. And it was still just that kind of pink, that kind of pale yeah. pink that I'm always getting. Yeah, like, like rotten can candy. I get some glowing. Can I get some glowing <laughs> yeah, medicine? Sure, sure. Yeah, anything that's like neon green that kind of glows in the dark. Um, you know, ectoplasm. And you can't, and, <laughs> and at the you, know, you can inject it into a couch that's just near someone's head, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no rhyme or reason to how this thing got injected or how much. It didn't even <laughs> half the time. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> is, there, is there no like like? There's nothing that shows how much you're putting in. I mean, like every syringe I've ever seen has got some sort of grading on it. You know that. Well, he would put it in. He'd be like, hmm, didn't work. Let me put in like five times as much. See what happens exactly. there. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. It was a cat. So this is a person. I'm just going to just plunge this thing. I love, I love that this guy is supposed to be like a medical genius. And at one point he decides, well, he, he has a little light bulb moment. And he says, I've never tried it with whole parts. <laughs> like that's that's the extent to his anatomical vocabulary here. Whole Whole parts. Yeah, he's not reading the glossary in these medical books. Um, <laughs> Very experiential. This is not abstract yeah. for him at all. Well, and I, I, does this is this movie regardless? I mean, like which version you saw, because each one was was rather short when you think about it in terms of uh, film length. But it's gotta have the longest, at least maybe ratio, like compared mm-hmm. to the length of the movie, a scene of somebody putting on their shoes and socks. <laughs> See that's that's I mean, why the, I, that's why the unrated version was shorter. They just cut that right out. I mean that scene where they where he fakes being the corpse and uh-huh. then he, he has to put his shoes and socks on. Like I I don't I don't know if you I mean if they had had the next scene where he had shoes and socks on, I would have just assumed I missed the part where he put his shoes and well, socks on. Well, in a movie that sometimes <laughs> you know you cut to a scene and someone's completely naked. And then the very next scene, they're they're pretty much clothed, and they were dead the whole time. So it's not like they put on clothes afterwards, <laughs> right? No, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, what was the most distracting thing that ever happened during a lecture? And I think it was 
there was it was a, during a Greek class, and there was a fellow. He was on the more portly side, and uh, he had a he had jeans on, but the the crotch was ripped right out. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and he was you know he's wearing undies, so it's not like you know right. clearly it was in that sort of inner seam, uh, in between his legs. And it was a- so it was almost like so. So he was, <laughs> he was like the Incredible Hulk, but just in his groin. Yep, yep, that's right. Okay, so, so he's fresh off, fresh off hulking out. Which, <laughs> which wouldn't, which wouldn't have been that distracting. But simultaneously, he was eating very loudly something that looked like dog treats. He was probably just eating the the denim that was. <laughs> he's just eating his pants like a fruit roll up because he's just like, man, this class is taking forever. And the fact that it was both things, it made me think like, this is a this is a dare. You're doing this on a dare. No no one eats dog treats during a lecture. This guy was clearly reanimated. <laughs> this guy this guy had some ectoplasm inserted right. into his cranium at some point. Oh, good night. So, all right, is there one um, motif or uh, theme or – and there's no cliches in this movie, so I won't even say that. But is there one of these that you really enjoyed in this film? Um, well, wow. Uh, yeah, well, I think there's something I, – I, so this is a movie that is – I think it's very aware of itself, right? I mean, I think that – I think that that's – a definite uh, plus for this movie for me, right? Like, like some mm-hmm. movies are like some horror films try to somehow uh, transcend the genre, maybe, sure, right? or at least give the illusion that they're transcending the genre. This one doesn't do that, right? I mean, this one is oh, they're is, in, they they found a tone yeah. and they're going to stick to it for sure. You know exactly what they're trying to do. They they want they want to have some shocking, gory images. Um, there's no, I mean, there's kind of a moral, but kind of not at the same time. It's, it, it's, it's tongue in cheek when it needs to be. It's, it's just everything it's going to do is just a little bit over the top, but, um, mm. but, but self-aware, right? So, I mean, I give credit to the self-awareness. So, but then, the, so then you go, well, what are like some of the overarching themes, like to your motif type thing? What's it trying? Is it trying to say something else? And mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't really do that. Um well, Too I don't much. know I if do. all right. So I didn't do the research and read the H.P. Lovecraft uh, mm-hmm. story to this, and I'd be interested to know where the movie makers decided to depart from the Lovecraft story because, you know, some of these early science fiction. I'm guessing the severed head cunnilingus uh, part. Oh, that you don't think that Lovecraft would have been into that? Oh, I don't, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been into it. I just don't know if. if if he explicitly would write that in. Oh, there. yeah, I don't know either. So, yeah, right into Cocoons of Horror. <laughs> if you've got any experience with this topic. Yeah, it would be interesting to know where they depart from the original story because it could be that the story is trying to make some statement about playing God. or. Well, here's the thing I think it's interesting about that, right? Because that was where I was going to go is, is the, the notion of playing God. But I think... If you're going to look at a critique of that, I don't even know that it's uh, it's Herbert West that is that character, right? If anything, he's trying to like. I don't know so much that his is a I'm better than God or I can be God like it. 
he almost does seem purely driven by the science, the science of it, right? I mean, it's it's the uh, and I'm sorry for forgetting the name. It's the headless doctor later that strikes me more as the as the the godlike figure, right? I mean, mm, you're talking term- about Doctor Carl Hill. Yes, Doctor Carl Hill, who has, if, if not if nothing else, he he represents sort of an inst- like the institution, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's where you see a lot of the well, Doctor Hill's this- work is considered plagiarism in Germany. Sure, and and he, you know, there's something to be said for. They make the reference that like he's teaching them not all the information, right? Like he's he's holding things back, so he's kind of keeping them at the students at bay. And the students are, in some way, they're almost docile, right? So later when we see the scene where he's got, like, kind of this zombie army that apparently can do his bidding, or at least to some degree, mm-hmm. fights on his behalf, um, it, that feels like an extension of that, right? Like, so his his is about, he want, he kind of is the hoarder of information, and, and then everybody else gets just enough, and so he can still have control over them. To me, that seems like a, a more interesting critique on the God type. Whereas West is like Jeff. West wants to share his his findings with the world, right? He's trying to set people free, right? I mean, that's the thing. Is like if I can if I can if I can share my findings because he's not real he's not too secretive about it. And he, not only that, but if he's like if he gives people ex, you know more life, then then that's. Then that's a certain freedom, right? I mean, that's a, you know, and he's trying. He's still wrestling with, well, how much do I give, and when can you give it, and if, mm-hmm. if you give it this, if you give it too late, then they're just relied based on their instincts well, as opposed to okay. their intellect. Maybe so, but I will say that Herbert West okay. may be the most egotistical and arrogant character I've ever seen in a film. Wow! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. More egotistical than Goldie Hawn's character in Overboard before she loses her memory? All right. Point taken. I'll back <laughs> off a little bit, of course. Yeah, it's a little bit. Little. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to pull out you know, the, the, uh, the Goldie Hawn Overboard reference, how can I compete with that? It's like comparing things to Hitler. It's like, yeah, it right, kind of exactly. ends the argument right, right then, right then and there. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he wants fame. I, wa- I think he wants to he wants to lord it over the other academics. He wants to make sure that someone like Carl Hill is put in his place and revealed as the sort of the hack scientist, the plagiarizing oh, sure. scientist that he is. Yeah, I, I don't you know I don't suggest that he's altruistic or anything, but at the same time, and also he's not wrong. I mean, regardless of what. What may have been the the outcome, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, intestines turning into tentacles and whatnot. Um, he did do it. I mean, he did. He's come up with something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it may not be great. It may not be. It may not be what we really want as a society. It might be mm-hmm. making us worse. But there's no doubt that he he was right, at least in terms of the beating the six to 12 minute i love that range by the way yeah yeah right <laughs> the six to 12 minute window that you have uh to keep the brain alive or, or to be able to try to, to bring it back okay in the deleted scenes you might find this interesting the two things we learn are that carl hill is very overt about his designs on the dean's daughter Mm. He's very aggressive with Megan early on. 
It's cl- mm. it's clear that he wants to kick Dan out of school just so he can have Megan all to himself. All right, so that's one thing that we learned. The other thing that we learn is that uh, he's Mitt Romney. <laughs> he's he's you know what he actually if you were going to recast this, <laughs> Mitt Romney would not be a bad choice. All right, so uh, the other thing that we learn is that Herbert West is taking his own medicine. Oh, yeah, he's he's inserting his own ectoplasm into his own brain uh, to sort of sort of have superhuman energy and intelligence. Is that right? And it's a little bit. Um, there's a little hint there that maybe he's addicted to it. Wow. Like this, that, that, yeah, it's a little more like more mad scientist, more mad scientist. Uh, one one cliche trope or device that I appreciated, Steve. I like a good fight with a cat. <laughs> yeah, this one was there. The cat. Most of the time, you didn't see it; you just heard it. You know, right. it's just an empty, dark room, and there was like a swinging bulb, so you didn't really see what you're doing. <laughs> right. But I, and they would just they would just like pound on a heater with a croquet mallet. I don't know if you ever had to fight a cat, but it's horrific. It's it is properly horrific for sure. A mallet. The uh, so it's funny. Because he uses them. One guy's got a one guy's got a baseball bat. The other one's got a croquet mallet. Yeah, yeah. I think it says a lot about the two of them. Okay, continue. Um, I mean, there's definitely some Pet Cemetery vibes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, sure. Because, I mean, obviously there's the, the reanimated cat. Mm. And then the ending, right? I mean, it's almost it's almost just Pet Cemetery. Yeah, right? it is. it's got a lot of Pet Cemetery in it, for sure. Um, is there a, 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 a tweak that you would do to improve this movie? Uh, Mitt Romney, I, I just would just flat out uh, CGI him in <laughs> just, there. Just bring Mitt Romney in. I was thinking, like... Um, if I was going to do a tweak, I would definitely have a female lead that was better. <laughs> I'd want I would want her to have or, a uh, I just want her to be like better in every way. I want her to have better lines, I want her to understand her motivations, maybe not get undressed by her father. I, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. <laughs> So, I mean, so that's the thing about this movie, right? Like, it, it takes, like, there's at least two turns that the movie takes. Because, like, it does, it is kind of a slow burn in the beginning. The pacing, I think, is definitely, it definitely has, like, a low-budget quality pacing. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I mean, because it, like, I think you're about, like, you start off with, you know, eyeballs exploding and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um so it's an interesting way to introduce the character, uh, sort of give a, just a touch of backstory. <laughs> um, like that he, he starts, uh, you know, he starts in Switzerland or something. Yeah, like and that. he learned everything he needed to learn there. Like, ah, you, you did explode a guy's eyeballs. He starts and, in uh, Switzerland, but then later on he says, I think he says, your work is considered plagiarism in Germany. Right. Not in Switzerland? Just, they're fine with plagiarism in Switzerland? <laughs> Yeah, they're they're trying to be neutral on the whole subject. <laughs> so, so yeah, and then so then he then it's like okay, he just sort of bursts on the scene and mm-hmm. takes over the you know become you know sort of uh, takes over the guy's apartment or whatever the basement and 
Um, and I think there's an interesting, there are interesting elements there, right? I mean, I like the idea that we've seen that uh, the other student is, you know, he he does seem a little more passionate on trying to keep people alive, right? That That's something we establish is that he's not ready to, he, he doesn't, he also doesn't uh, accept death. Um, whereas one wants to become sort of the master of it, or at least uh, mm-hmm. reverse it, the, he he's not ready. So he's he's actually the kind of the, the ideal accomplice for this for this guy even if if it wasn't intended because his he still you're going to be able to lure him in with the idea that that death can be beaten right so there's he on some level is is on board um so it's kind of an interesting like that's his well, his igor yeah there's almost like a uh, an an ego super ego thing happening here uh and i don't know who's the id maybe the uh maybe dr hill's the id or something but if you're going to take the analogy, it's he he wants an accomplice, but he feels like he wants an accomplice who's not just smart, who has these other sort of more socially adept personality traits. There's almost a little bit of Herbert West that feels like I could go full mad scientist here unless I get someone to ground me. Right. Um, well, and someone to be the face of the franchise to some degree. That's right. Yeah. Right. Hey, you know, you you do the talking. You mm-hmm. you get you can get me into places that I can't get into That's because right. I'm breaking pencils and making weird faces. Mm-hmm. I need a Steve Jobs here, right? It's it's a Cyrano thing, right? <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's, I'll be I'll be in the body bag. You you woo Roxanne. <laughs> I also like that. Um, I've never seen this done in a movie before, but maybe you know I, I don't have a lot of experience with horror movies. Maybe this happens all the time, but. They realize the cat's not in that room, and then they very uh, intentionally start walking around in a single file line looking for the cat. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone do that before. It's, I mean, anyone that I've ever known that has a cat is like, yeah, the cat's doing cat things. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, they're 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 paranoid, right? They they she's she did not want. Seem very uh, concerned with where the cat is. Well, she they didn't want she didn't want him taking West in as a roommate, and yeah, and so they're. I think she's already on edge. But I gotta say, there are a few. This things guy that gave me. me he, you're saying he gave me creepy vibes. It's very possible that your cat is dead in his fridge right now. <laughs> right, and she was right. She was right. But <laughs> I would have kicked him out just because he left his fridge door open. Right. No, that's you're going to have a like a dorm fridge in your bedroom, and you're going to leave the door open? That's it. You're done. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, 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 did, I did laugh really hard, though, when she's like, where's Rufus? <laughs> so between, between the, the – Wes putting his, his shoes and socks on in what felt like – 17 minutes uh the amount of times that i had to watch her go it was it was incredible that this movie was as short as it was considering the bulk of it was if you're daniel kane and you really want to marry this girl you got to get rid of the cat cat has to go because you can't risk hearing her make that noise (laughs) i know i know yeah so that's the one advantage of the cat being gone i guess Right, I like to see a reanimated cat. I like to see like uh, I, I just in general, I like to see puppets of mangled cats <laughs> in in a horror movie. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty mangled. I mean, it's they did a number on it, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Now, so to see if we did see the same thing, when, when he takes the shovel to the doctor's head, yeah. like, did you get all the way through where like you're watching it go through the neck and then sever off and then roll out. And then he had to go put it in the dish and it kept on falling in the dish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw the whole thing. Oh, he uses gosh, a meat thermometer to like, yeah, like poke That's it. pretty good. That was, that was very amusing. There were, there were some, there were some legitimate. That was like, right before he said whole parts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so many, like, and that is an interesting turn. What what happens to the doctor? Because I mean, the doctor seems to still be pretty, like, he of all the ones that have been brought back to life, he seems to be the one that that has the most ability to sort of function. You know, come, you know, <laughs> put on a, a fake head, and <laughs> I, you know what? Well, that's so that's, that's the, the, the thing fake about head the movie, is right? is kind of hilarious. I mean, I'll, I'll give yeah. it that, and the the fact. I love that this um, the security guard is like he's really talky. Like he really wants to like strike up a conversation with everyone that goes into the morgue. Right. And I like that they he have is, a, the he morgue is poured into that uniform. By the way, I mean I don't know if you had a real chance. I'm like <laughs> wardrobe was like ah. I guess we were gonna get a different actor that was definitely not your size. But what are we gonna do? I like that they have their morgue guarded at all times. He just has a desk outside mm-hmm. the hall. <laughs> and and uh you know he's pretty happy to chat it up with almost everyone unless you're wearing a fake head <laughs> in that case he's not going to look at you at all right exactly there's something about that guy gives weird vibes and uh well so that's the thing right so the movie goes from like this kind of really low budget slow moving thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden bam now we're now we're cooking, right? Now we got uh, a whole. Now, you know, now we're seeing some reanimation going on, and then we have like, oh, the, the, it's gotten kind of like a little like oddly wacky. It's like super gory and wacky, and then it gets real weird. Like, I mean, that's and Heather didn't. I kept using the term weird, and she says, "I don't think you're using that word right." Because <laughs> uh, once it gets to the part where you know, well, he's carrying his uh, head around, and he's. Well, but like dad, like lobotomized zombie dad takes his daughter's clothes off mm-hmm. and then um, then uh, a headless version of the doctor is groping her. And then, and then it's just, it gets, like that whole sequence is pretty wild, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It feels, it's not good. It feels pretty wild for 85, too. Is that, or is that just me? Uh, let's just put it this way. Um, I'm assuming that a lot of that stuff got cut out for the theatrical version of the movie perhaps i i don't i don't know i i will say this that um it's not a family movie uh no, no, no it's uh, well in a way it despite is despite what you might think um is this movie better worse or on par with a ron howard film steve wow yeah that's a that's a great question right i mean there's there's a, it, there's two two ways to look at it i mean i would say that in terms of just sheer quality right like uh directing choices and edits and uh narrative plot you know moving the plot along i would definitely say it's like a ron howard minus five uh but in terms of what it set out to do like i'm not sure it didn't nail you know almost everything it was trying to do 
So I don't, and so then in that case, if you were to if you were to say, okay, Ron Howard, make this type of movie, I don't know if he could do that. Um, <clears throat> this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Wow. Oh yeah. And and it could be that they set out to make a bad movie. And if they did, then, you know, uh, I tip my hat. This is a really bad movie. And which makes me think, like, uh, I'm going to say... Reviews weren't bad, right? Reviews were actually pretty good when it came out. Yeah, it's not, maybe not my thing. Maybe this is not mm-hmm. my thing. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Howard negative 20. Negative wow. Tw- yeah, <laughs> negative 20. I feel like the, it's in the it's in the negative 20 range anyway. So okay, so where where did it lose you? <laughs> about about where it lost Heather. Is that right? Uh huh. Yeah. So so it didn't uh, like the credits. Didn't like the opening credits at, at all. So the credit. Here's the thing: is I knew what I was getting. And see, I think the credits did a really good job of getting you ready for the quality of film that you're about to watch, <laughs> because um, the the, the the words, like the names, as they would come in, mm-hmm. they would come in at different speeds. Uh-huh. <laughs> some would, some would, some would hang for a little bit so you could read them. Others would just like leave too soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, ah, right, you got that kind of care right out the gate. I want someone that's. Um, I think in a movie like this, I want someone. You know, you could say that Dr. Carl Hill is sort of the the evil scientist, even though he's like a mad scientist in a different sort of way. Than Herbert right. West, you almost have sort of like dueling mad scientists, which is kind of a fun idea. All right. I think I really want the bad mad scientist to carry some emotional heft. And this guy, this guy wasn't. He was, he was just, he was just creepy bad, right? I either want you to lean really into the comedy or really into the horror. This one was, it felt like the tone was about the same throughout. Right. So I, w- I think I would have appreciated going one way or the other. Well, here's what I think. I think for me, it maybe been, been the more, most jarring is that when you do the fake head thing. Yeah. It, now it starts to feel like we're leaning into an absurdist horror. Oh, absolutely. Right. And and that part, I'm like, oh, this has been, so now I'm like, this is kind of maybe a pretty fun ride. Like, I mean, we've got. We put some effort into the gore. We've definitely put some effort into some of the scares, but um, we know we're you know, hey, this is this is just a wild horror ride. Let's get on it. But then when it when it does shift to, to when she's on the the table and that mm-hmm. whole sequence, I think that's. I mean, I think ultimately for me, you take that sequence out of the movie, we might be having a different conversation. I don't think you would like it. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I, I guess I feel I, like because the tone shifts. That that was that's the fake head guy that I was kind of mm-hmm. kind of chuckling over and now it's this yeah you know, sure it's just that i think is like it's like that's where you have a hard time reconciling what you're like well wait a minute right i <laughs> guess i was enjoying the absurdity of it um you know head and head in a tray yeah a lot, a lot of fake blood head in a tray you know puppet cat uh, you know, I, I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot through the first two thirds of this movie. And then in the mm-hmm. the last third, I was it was just kind of like, this is not really grossing me out uh, in the way that it's intending to gross me out, I guess. Right. Um, I'm not really uh, scandalized by the special effects. Um, the tone of the movie still feels kind of campy. So I'm not sure. It's not making me laugh and it's not scaring me. 
Right, right. In the just in the last third, I guess the first couple acts, uh, I, I I laughed quite a bit in the first couple acts. So, yeah, I think when it gets down to like he's now they're just like fighting zombies. It does that doesn't. Um, <laughs> that's not where I thought. We I were do going. like that that the, all of the zombies are naked. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, and I was I did. There's a point in the movie where I looked over and I go, "Hey, you know what? People had to do that." <laughs> You know, like they. they I was thinking that. People... I was thinking at one point there's there's kind of trying to escape into an elevator as a naked and basically a naked man is menacing them. Right. And I was just thinking, if you were those actors, how do you, how do you keep a straight face right now? I mean, that guy's just well he, clowning it up. He, here's the thing about that whole thing. That's that's one way to look at it. The other thing is. How would you feel to be the actor that lost that role? Like you didn't, like you auditioned for that and didn't get it. Harvey, you're great. There's no one that denies you're great. We're just thinking we need a little bit of a different tone for this scene. It's my scrotum, isn't it? (laughs) I've been told this a thousand times. I've been meaning to get it fixed. They've been saying I got a scrotum for radio. <laughs> the the yeah so there were like yeah so I going back and like and and just looking at it and that I think for me that's that's the part of the third act I do think that there's an interesting uh bit of you know th- character stuff going on like you said like there's there's dueling mad hey man if like you were sort of... yeah if you want to do an interesting movie dueling mad scientists I have not seen that done to death I I could absolutely right. see that done. Well, and I liked it. What I like about it is that there's really no, there's no g- good person per se in this movie. Right? Like, like you're you're definitely not rooting for the headless doctor. Not rooting for the woman who's calling the cat in a very annoying way. Yep. And you're not. I mean, you're certainly not rooting for Wes, but then you kind of have to at mm-hmm. some point. Like it feels like. But and then you know then then the other dude is like. He may do the most horrific thing of all, and when it's all said and done, because after all that they just went through, he perpetuates it. Yeah, right? like he he injects. He's become the because, reanimator at the end. Well, and and also the idea being that that like after all of that, the his he still can't accept death as maybe even the better option at this point. So it's he learns nothing from this experience, and in fact. He goes on to make the worst decision, which is like, well, I could just get rid of all this research because all that research essentially just died right there, and he could just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. But no, now he's he's keeping the evidence, and he's, and it, so that's an interesting uh, ending to it. And I think that it says a lot about that particular character. I think you learn more about that character in that incident, you know, in the ending of the movie mm-hmm. than maybe all of the, everything that had preceded it. So again, it maybe I'm giving this movie the way too that much it credit, ends but. really does make me think. Lovecraft had to be doing a conscious homage to Frankenstein, right? Oh, for sure, right? Because I mean, this is the other guy becomes this Igor type character. Right. I like how he's 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 like a handsome doctor. He's an intelligent doctor. He's not this this sort of freakish uh-huh. sideshow kind of guy. And I like that little bit of a twist on it, right? Where, uh, but the the disadvantage that he has is that, but he's obviously intelligent enough to be in medical school, but he's not this level of intelligent like the scientist is right and and so because of that 
there's there's kind of like the dueling dynamic where where the other doctor like he's kind of criticized because he's he he's supposedly teaching something that that is still archaic compared to what Dr. West knows. And so he's keeping people from information. But on the flip side, he's kind of got that same relationship with this other guy because because of their the, the intelligence gap matters, right? In in right. I would say especially within academia. Yeah. I feel like I have not seen as much head smashing in a, in a single film in my life. <laughs> It's, I just feel like every every other scene was someone getting smashed against the wall. I, I guess that they they do that with the cat, right? Yeah, that, I laughed at that one too. So, and it always leaves a little little tiny bit of blood on the wall when they do it. Uh, but it happens over and over and over in this movie. Yeah, a lot of head smashing. Uh, was there a half the battle when to grow on moment in this film, Steve? Dead is better. <laughs> Again, returning, returning to the dead is better theme. <laughs> now, see, there you go. Who was the actor that did that? Uh, did the Pet Cemetery neighbor? Uh, Fred Wynn, right? Yeah, that's the kind of guy. Like that. That's the guy that kind of made that film for me. I want the. I want there to be someone like that in this film. Because because nobody really served that. I mean the. Uh... The female lead could have, and she. I mean, the, to the. I mean, they they had no interest in that for her. I mean, she was. Or the dean. The dean was a little bit of a father figure at some point. At one point, to to uh, Dan. How about you? Do you have a half battle in one of the growing moment? I think that there's uh, some interesting sexual ethics, workplace harassment ethics to be had in this film. You've got the the professor who's using his power to try to seduce a. A younger, younger female student. You know, you've got the mind control stuff. You don't want to do that either. The mind control stuff is problematic for sure. Um, headless people cancel the all of them. Cancel all the headless people. That's right. If you don't have a head, sorry, <laughs> you don't have any, any if you, space. If your body has already canceled your head, then <laughs> that's, that's some indication to the rest of us. We don't need you around anymore. I like to think that this isn't a controversial statement, but I mean, at, at some point, we're going to get some hate mail coming through on cocoons of horror at gmail.com. Like, I have no head, and you're telling me I can't go to the store? <laughs> you can go to the store. We just don't want you on social media. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can I just mention that uh, scrotum, <laughs> scrotum made for radio? Mm hmm. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just pretty, just pretty good. Just, just, it's just solid, solid joke. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple options for our next uh, movie. We can do uh, Zodiac. I'm excited about both of these. Uh, but my thinking is that maybe we should do Doctor Strange. Mm. Talk about mad scientists. That's good. That's a good point. Yeah, that's available. Let's do Doctor Strange. People will be uh, wanting to revisit it or see it for the first time because it's coming out on Disney+. Plus. On Yeah, it's probably a good time for that. What, right? what, date, what date is it out? It's already out. It's already out on Disney+. Plus. All right. Yeah. 
All right. So if you made it this far in the podcast, um, you might want to try Doctor Strange and meet us here next week. Yeah, this is the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, specifically. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay. I was thinking I might revisit the original first. Uh, it's I liked the original. I thought it was. Pretty, I did too. Pretty good. So I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'd like to. I'd like to maybe take another little look. See, I did watch the What If. Oh, good. Yeah, the What If. The, I think the What If is uh, helpful for sure. Okay. I'm gonna warn you in advance. There is a new dog in this house. Oh, ho, ho! new dog at the Osborne house. Uh, what's the name of this dog? Well, so that's what we're still working on. Um, it came to us with the name of Jonathan. <laughs> hey, that's got some nice uh, Stranger Things vibes. Exactly. So there's a part. So I, well, first off, the warning is, is he it, addicted to drugs? <laughs> uh, he's addicted to Heather. It's only been one day, and uh-huh. she's out of the the house. And I I've owned somewhere in the neighborhood of I don't know. 403 dogs i don't know give or take mm-hmm. i've never had one that's howled like this oh like like the full-on like like head up in the air like snout to the sky and just this <laughs> this melancholic howl mm-hmm. roar now what kind of dog are we talking about it's a he's a poodle he's a standard he's, poodle but he's white he's a poodle but he thinks he's on the journey of natty gan exactly <laughs> Exactly, and uh, and you know, so he's he, we just got him yesterday, so he is an amazingly quick a- attachment to Heather, and um, uh, like they flew him in, flew him in from Washington, so we picked him up at SFO, and okay, uh, and and you know, Heather was the first person that he really saw after the journey, and took him out of the crate, so there was a certain you know, even though I was driving the car and she doesn't even get there without me. I mean, I just looked at it as the getaway driver at this point, but um, I like to think of myself as a little bit more of a, like closer to a mastermind. But anyway, uh, he grew up with women, so he doesn't maybe have a, a super fondness for men or even know what to do with us. So you know, there may be some whimpering. He seems to be settled down now. But how uh, old is this Jonathan character? He's about I think uh, five months. And uh, mid standard, standard, standard. So you yeah. got a big, big old poodle. Yeah, named Jonathan. You're right. So, so when it comes to the naming, we're like, okay, do we? Like, we feel like John and Johnny or Jonathan are all jumping off points. Kind of like, right? Like, the, like so. In a way, like you would think that that would limit your choices, but it sort of makes it. You know how they get like, if you ever get two blanks. When you have a Scrabble full, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, I know there's a word here." Yeah, you're like, "If I don't make a bingo out of this, then I'm an idiot." Right. So then you'll go maybe turn after turn after turn because you're just <laughs> you're just chasing, right? <laughs> I mean, and so your your brain thinks that you've got you, you like that you're you're like, "Oh, it's just mm-hmm. right there." And so when you when you start going like when I start going like in the whether it's literature or films or music mm-hmm. or tv anything with a john johnny or or jonathan you're like oh i am so much more stuck than if it was just like at one point i just said look let's forget jonathan let's name him huey lewis and uh and heather's like you want a dog named huey i said i didn't say that i said i want a dog named huey lewis 
<laughs> it's just always the full name. Oh, always. It has to be. <laughs> to shorten it would, would make no sense. Have you thought, perhaps, of using the back end of the name and naming Nathan? him <laughs> Thanos? Oh, Thanos. <laughs> there you go. Well, so I was. So we were going through, like, cinematic Johnnies and John, you know, so at one point, at one point, Johnny Utah from Point Break was on the table, Utah, uh, specifically. Then there was John, John Bender from The Breakfast Club. So Bender was on there. Bender, Bender would be a great name. And then, uh, yeah, so Bender seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. I'm a little less interested in Bender. Like, it's funny, I'm being very outnumbered. I'm, I'm just, I, these are the early polls. If you name him Bender, at some point, he will demand a chicken pot pie. (laughs) Well, Here's the thing that's funny. My son is actually making a chicken pot pie right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the Bender talk. He's the hankering I for guess a chicken so. pot pie. I guess so. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So at one point it was, hey, well, how about a little dirty dancing DNA? Johnny Castle. Don't have to call him Castle, but I can name him Swayze. And the beauty of Swayze is when Heather pulled him out of the crate and we saw him, she's like, huh, I thought he'd be bigger. I'm like, just like Dalton from Roadhouse. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> Swayze's not a bad name for a dog. No, so I'm I'm pretty pro Swayze, but I'm I'm it seems to be almost uh, nobody's on board with the Swayze. I, I, okay, can I can I throw an idea out here? Sure. What was John Goodman's name in The Big Lebowski? Walter. Walter. So you've had the dude, right? That's true. So you had the dude. You had a dog named Dude, and this one's Walter. name was Jonathan. John Goodman. You could go with Walter. Wow. All right. That gives me a, that gives me a lot to think about. I do like Walter. He because he has a certain elegance to him, and Walter kind of brings that. Here's the thing. Jonathan is hilarious. By the way, as a name, <laughs> it's it's hilarious if it's the full name. Oh, for sure. Like I would never call him Johnny or John. Johnny seems like a a disservice if he if he's right. named Jonathan all, <laughs> all yeah. the time. John, what's your dog's name? Jonathan. I know it's. Really, what's his full name? Taylor Thomas. No, there's something. Uh, so I mean, there is one of those. Like, <laughs> I think in the back pocket is every time we say his name, we all kind of chuckle. <laughs> idea that he's Jonathan. Now, what does Heather want to do with his name? Um, leaning towards Bender, I think she feels that that she liked Bender or Utah. I think we're, we're the two uh, kind of finalists in her mind. Um, I was trying to go with, hey, John McClain from Die Hard, but McClain's not a great name, but you call him Roy because that's what he insisted mm-hmm. they all call him on the radio. Um, and then, uh, then there was Keanu because he's like majority of his movies i think he's named john is that right I, yeah. oh my goodness john wick john constantine uh, johnny mnemonic uh johnny oh, U- the aforementioned yeah. johnny utah um yeah 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 keanu was uh i don't know if you ever saw the uh key and peel oh yeah the cat <laughs> which is actually pretty good i don't yeah, know if I you've seen it. that i it's, enjoyed it's it pretty pretty underrated i think I imagine there's a lot of dogs named Keanu now, though, just given the uh, his uh, sort of you know reemergence into our cultural awareness. All right, so cocoonsofhorror at gmail dot com or Ozfest at Ozfest. Uh, 
Something John related, Jonathan related for Steve's dog. We're interested to hear your thoughts. Now, would you be willing to, uh, you know, sort of acquire information, suggestions from our audience, and then like see which one goes over the best with Heather or something like that? I'd be down for that. I mean, the, it depends on how quickly this goes out and people respond. We might want to. I mean, worst case scenario, we just have a dog named Jonathan for a while. <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> not too bad. It'd go out Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Let's let's crowdsource this dog. We'll crowdsource the dog name. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>